Hello, this is Pastor John. Last week in my sermon based on 1 Corinthians 8, we heard the call to give up our freedom for the sake of showing love to our fellow Christian. Today, in our text from chapter 9, Paul is willing to give up even his rights and freedoms for the sake of those who are not Christian. Are we also willing to follow his example in proclaiming the gospel? A reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 16 through 27. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one receives the prize? So run, that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest, after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What's in it for me? The uh, country music artist John Barry wrote a lyric with that title. He wrote a lyric to a song with that title, and the song tells uh, a story of a former love interest who walked out of his life and now wants to be let back into his life. And so the refrain of the song goes, what's in it for me? I've got to ask, if it's only more tears, then I'll have to pass. If you'll open up, and then I can see deep in your heart. What's in it for me? And then there's the moving from country music to uh, mm-hmm. uh, the TV animated show, The Family Guy. Um, that father of the family, Peter, 
his response to uh, somebody asking him to spend time with your children, Peter says, well, what's in it for old Pete? What a role model. And then there's the Dilbert comic, and I don't think that's being produced anymore, but uh, an early Dilbert comic has Dogbert meet some aliens who promise to share the secrets to ending hunger and poverty and disease. And Dogbert replies with, what's in it for me? And the aliens leave the planet in response. And Dogbert walks away wondering whether there was a better way to handle that. So in response to today's text, you might be asking the same question. What's in it for me, Paul? You say that you are all things to all people that by all means some might be saved. Well, proclaim the gospel, you say? Proclaim the gospel to a, a younger generation or an older generation who I don't really understand? And proclaim the gospel to a person from a different ethnicity? Uh, proclaim the gospel to someone with whom I don't see eye to eye culturally or politically? Paul, I have my freedom. I am free. I have my rights, and I don't like to change. I will do me, and they can do themselves. Besides, I'm feeling tired and worn out. Proclaim the gospel? What's in it for me? Well, last week we heard from God's word through Paul, calling the Corinthian church to meet other Christians where they're at. And even giving up the freedom, their freedom, for the sake of showing love to a fellow Christian. Now today, Paul is ha having us look more outward, have a more outward focus. Paul is now telling us to give up our rights and our freedoms for the sake of those who are not Christians. For the sake of the gospel. And again, we come back to that refrain. Paul, what's, what's in it for me? Well, what's in it for you, what's in it for me, what's in it for us is a calling. In today's text, Paul is responding to this very question, what's in it for you, Paul? And that is a question that he himself had to respond to. And you see, he had his detractors, and some of his detractors, his opponents, thought that he was in it for something, you know, this... this proclaiming, preaching the gospel. Uh, maybe it was money. They slandered his motives. And, you know, Paul answered the question, what's in it for me? Um, he said, well, I do have a right to make a living by the gospel. However, I'm not going to put any obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. So Paul answers the question this way. And this is, in our text, what's in it for me in verse 18 with these words? It's a chance to preach the good news for free, free of charge. He also wrote, I do all things on account of the gospel so, to, so that I may be a sharer, a partner of it. 
So Paul considered himself to have been entrusted with a commission, a stewardship, um, a sacred trust, a calling. Likewise, God wants his Christian people to speak his good news, and that is our sacred trust, our stewardship, uh, a calling. In his letter to the Colossians, Paul writes about this calling that all believers have, chapter 3, verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly and to teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And there's more. This message of the living voice of the gospel in our mouth is the very power of God, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The very power of God for the salvation of fallen human creatures. And this is not Paul's idea. Jesus has placed this power into your hands, my hands, when he was speaking to his disciples. And he said, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. In John 20, verse 23. So we are looking today, we're thinking about this word and we're thinking you know, about uh, that question, what's in it for me? And Paul answers it, a calling. It's a sacred trust. Uh, it's a stewardship, it's a commission. We are all called to speak for God. And we are all called to speak for God to proclaim his good news. But we, we are tempted to remain silent. Uh, Christian author, Dr. Robert Kolb, um, in his book, Speaking the Gospel Today, writes, the fact is you and I do not have the choice of witnessing or not. You only choose whether to witness better or less effectively. If people know that you are a Christian, they are always and easily noticing and evaluating what Jesus means to you. And if they do not know you are a Christian, they do get to know quickly as you become acquainted. They learn what is of ultimate worth to you, what the ultimate source of your identity and security and meaning is. So what's in it for you, for me? Well, as a Christian, you have a calling to speak for God to proclaim his good news. You have a choice to share the message of Christ better or less effectively. What is your choice? Witness the gospel better or? Well, what is the gospel? You know, Paul, what does Paul mean by the gospel? Uh, the content of the gospel, the good news, it's not really spelled out in today's text, is it? So we go to other passages. Other writings of the Apostle Paul provides the necessary information. Um, he defines the gospel, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, as Jesus Christ and him crucified. He also defines it, the gospel, as in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 14, as the bodily resurrection. And Jesus is first Jesus's, then ours. But I think in the, that crucial chapter, that chapter 15 of this letter, 
is we have the gospel definition in, in some detail. And Paul writes in chapter 15, starting verse 1, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Okay, here's his definition of the gospel. And he received it, and then he is delivering it to them. And here's his definition, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then skipping down to verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The gospel really comes out in the answer to that question. What's in it for you? Well, what, what is in it for you? Well, even though you and I have held on to our, tightly to our rights, God has given up his rights to have you and me. He, he, shuff, he suffered, um, sent his son and suffered shame and death, by which rights he should never have endured. What's in it for you? Well, united to Christ in your baptism, united to his death and resurrection, your sins are forgiven and you are free. Freed from slavery to sin and can now live in newness of life. Romans 6. What's in it for you? Jesus shows you the way, the truth, and the life, and who gives you a way back to the Father. And he defends you against the devil and against the power of sin. What's in it for you? Salvation and a partnership in the gospel to others. What's in it for you? The fellowship of the Holy Spirit who lives in your hearts to rule, comfort, and make them alive. What's in it for you? Christ. Christ is the path. Christ is the prize. And he's the ultimate source of your identity and security and meaning. And then that brings us then to this Christian calling that, that is carried out with integrity because we get to the next section of our text and, and Paul says in verse 17 that he was free, yet he's a slave. He becomes a slave in order that he might win over the more. He then, com then coming back, we come back to the title of this sermon for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I may, might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. You know, as we think about this, though, his words seem to put you and me Really, on the edge of a cliff. I don't know if you've ever been on a edge of a cliff or a precipice before, but you kind of lose yourself as you look down. And, and it's kind of like that experience with this phrase. I, if I'm all things to all people, do I have any integrity left? Who am I? Paul's integrity in ours is the gospel itself. Jesus lost all his life, his relationship with the Father, he endured abandonment for us. 
but it was purposeful to gain us. And our flexibility has a gospel spine. Like the human spine, it offers stiffness and support for the human body. The gospel supports the Christian's calling to speak for God to proclaim his good news. So any message that is not based on the substitutionary life of Jesus, it's not based on his suffering, crucifixion, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus in the four gospels, it has no integrity. The gospel that does not have as its message the death and the resurrection of Jesus for the full and free forgiveness of sins would fold like a house of cards. So one objection, though, is raised to this. Is Paul saying that we can just compromise the truth here? No, Paul is not asking us to compromise the truth. If we change the truth of God's word, then the resulting message of Christ is not the gospel. But how do we best understand being all things to all people for the sake of the gospel? Well, I'll give you a personal example. I was born and then raised in the Midwest. Um, grew up in a small town in Nebraska. And so my cross-cultural experiences were pretty limited. <laughs> However, when Sharon and I uh, graduated from college and started our teaching career, we, we lived in Hawaii for nine years working as teachers, and we had many opportunities to learn from other cultures. Um, and once, when we visited the home of a family who was Japanese-American, our host asked us to take off our shoes when we entered their house, because that was their custom. Now, I, I could have objected and said, no, I have my rights. <laughs> when I'm at my house, I keep my shoes on. So, sorry, no can do. But that would have been silly and rude. And we would have been rude guests. So we took off our shoes. Are you willing to have the same attitude of a good guest for the sake of the gospel? Being a good guest, getting to know and respect where people are at is perhaps a good way to think of being all things to all people that some might be saved. And I'm, I'm not just talking cross-culturally, but in all aspects. But remember, your, your flexibility has a gospel spine, and you have the humble example of Christ. For even the Son of Man came, Jesus said, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life up as a ransom for many. This calling to share the good news, it sounds like work. Well, it is. <laughs> Living out our Christian calling, witnessing is, in an effective way, it is work. It's like being an athlete, Paul says. And now we come to that third part of our text. Paul speaks of athletes' training, of flexibility, and of a task that does not always seem successful. Verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. 
I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So your calling has a goal in mind, and we run that race. And it's the goal, the prize is an imperishable wreath, a heavenly calling. This life of living in and among a sinful world, which forces you and me to be all things, to all people, will come to an end. And your path now has many paths and twists and turns, and it, but it leads to glory. Paul is focused like a, a runner, running to run the race and win the prize. He has become all things to all people so that some may be saved. You and I are not Apostle Paul. And my guess is that when hearing from the Apostle Paul that you feel your inadequacies, I know I do. Paul enjoins us to run the race to win the prize. If that goads you to do something good, that is great. Go do that good thing. But know this, the prize is already yours in Christ. Let that be the first and primary motivation for your life, your service, love and compassion for this broken world. And remember, the apostles' focus was on preaching the gospel, the gift of forgiveness and eternal life in Christ to people like you and me. We dare not disqualify his preaching or ourselves by trusting anything else. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we uh, sing in response our next hymn. This is hymn 825, Rise, Shine, All You People. Thank you.